What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Writer's Block Podcast. I am your part one co-host, Brandon Laurie, and as always, I do have my second co-host, partner in crime, Jess Navarez, on uh, the podcast with us today. And you can follow us on Twitter at at Brandon is right, and that's W-R-I-T-E. And you can follow Jess at at Jess Navarez underscore, which is a very important thing to do because... It's getting close. The countdown is almost here to T-Day, and I say that because it's almost Taylor Swift time for Jess. Jess, how excited are you that you are inching so much closer? It's Taylor Swift week for you, um, and you're going to be just posting a bunch of stuff from the concert this weekend. I'm unhinged. Like, I am unhinged at this point. I can't even tell you. Uh, Well, I was just telling you. Right before we started recording this, the iHeart Awards are on right now, and... I saw her on, she made this phenomenal speech and I just started crying. Like I'm unhinged. I cannot control myself right now. But the message she got out of her speech was allow yourself to fail and don't be afraid of being you because you try new things. So it was like really, it hit hard. And I was wow. like, oh my God, what a what a preacher we have over here. But um, yeah, no, I'm unhinged. I am 13 out of 10 unhinged. Well, it's crazy because that speech actually fits very well with what we're going to be talking about with just believing in yourself, just trying to accomplish the impossible, which we are officially a month from today to the NFL draft. And you figure all these draft prospects, they want to accomplish the impossible, believe in themselves and get to that NFL level. And we figured that to kick off our writer's block draft coverage, there's nobody better to start this with than Zach Wolchuk of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan, who you can hear weekdays 2 to 7, and is also the newest member of the DallasCowboys.com draft show, which is a big thing in Cowboys Nation. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us tonight. It's an honor. It's an honor. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. How are y'all? Good, good. I was going to. Uh, yeah, we, we already know how. You're ready to rock. I mean, you've got me like, man, I should have gotten tickets to this Taylor Swift concert, but I don't know if I would have been able to. It was a bidding war out there. You know what? I always tell Brandon, I don't know what good karma I put in this world. I was like one of the first ones in the queue. It was the moment I waited for. Best day of my well, life. I don't even think. the like, internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think my wedding day will compare to these concerts, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm right there. You are, But we're so happy to have you on. We're just talking about how we know each other through Twitter, but it's one thing to actually, like, see you. And I've seen you at the Star a couple of times, but just in passing. So, you know, like, anytime we get to sit and have a combo, it's always a good time. No, it, it is. I mean, you guys should just slide into my DMs more. We can make this a regular thing. <laughs> and it's everyone go slide into Zach's DMs. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, and it's 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 fun because uh, for me, similar to you, when you jumped on the draft show, I've been following this since it's you know start with Ed Cahill, all those guys, Hellman. And, you know, now you're a part of that. You're a part of that brotherhood. Of course, Aisha Morrison, Jess's co-host on Girls Talk, Boys Talk. You guys are all in this together. And what has that been like? Because, again, you mentioned that you were a fan of this kind of growing up and your draft coverage, draft love. What does it feel like to now be officially a part of like this Cowboys draft coverage and part of Cowboys draft nation? That's uh, it's a little surreal. I don't know if it's really if that's hit me, you know, because I like you grew up watching the draft show with with, you know, Twitter on the 20 shout out to Ed Cahill for for starting that and obviously getting to work with Brian on a daily basis has been invaluable. I mean, he's been able to teach me so much and he knew I was always annoying him. Like when we were the night show doing seven to 11 with the nosebleed seats, I'd always be annoying him with draft questions, you know, during breaks and whenever we're up there prepping, getting ready for our show. So he knew that I was a fellow draft geek, and, and so is my co-host, Eric Chiafalo, but I fortunately don't have three little children at home, so it allows me the time to be able to watch these guys because uh, it is a time commitment. I don't think people re- – I didn't even realize, like, how much goes into this with watching all the players, but I love doing it. So I was able to learn a lot through him. I got to say, without Brian, I probably wouldn't be on the show, but with – Hellman doing amazing things now, obviously. And I have a relationship with Cal Yeomans uh, going back to UNT. So this has been, it's been a blast. It really has. Brian's able to challenge us in a bunch of different ways and getting to finally be part of this draft process is kind of like a dream come true. And it definitely is one of those surreal moments to watch you grow because just seeing the growth you've had alone, even just through social media has been so phenomenal to see. And that's, you know, the kind of stuff working in this industry you root to see other people get to. So we are very proud of you. But like during your time of being a draft geek, as you call it, 
what draft do you remember the most and what has been the most memorable one for you so far and why? Ooh, I will say the first one that I remember getting heavily into was 05. The Cowboys had two first-round picks. They were picking there at 11 and 20. And they take DeMarcus Ware. And then they take Marcus Spears. And that entire draft class ended up being fantastic. Uh, Parcells crushed that one, and Brian was gone. So maybe that's why it ended up being so good. Brodus <laughs> was part of that draft. But uh, no, I love you, Brian. Um, but that one was the first one that I really remembered. Wow, now I'm, I'm very invested in the draft. I've tried to watch. I knew the first round, guys. You know, obviously, you just watched NFL Network. It just started up and ESPN. So I didn't have access to film or anything like that. I'm not going deep diving like I am now where now I get spoiled. But that was probably the one that stands out the most when I realized I'm super into this. Like I could I could do this and just sit back and watch college players and get ready for this thing all the time. The one that stands out the most, I mean, there was the 09 special teams draft where the Cowboys just decided we're so good. We don't need to do anything, which was bizarre. Every pick they made, I'm thinking – who the bleep is this guy? Um, but the Mo Claiborne, the one that's probably the most memorable is, is, is Mo Claiborne. They traded up for Mo, and I think we were all just like, I, I was in Lubbock watching it with one of my buddies at the time who was going to Texas Tech, and it happened. I didn't think that that was even a possibility. The Cowboys at the time, their biggest need was corner, and they haven't done it since where they've moved up. Um, but anytime there's a trade, that one just seems to like burn into your mind when they move back from 18 to 31. And Justin Reed was sitting there from LSU, the safety. You're thinking, oh, they need a safety. Will you take him? Nope, they moved back. They take Travis Frederick. Everyone crushes them for taking Travis Frederick. And then now he's arguably the best center that's ever played for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, there's definitely some other guys that Mark Stepnoski uh, that, that would fight for that. But, man, the, those the trades probably stand out to me the most. But we've been spoiled because Will McClay and the Cowboys, they just draft their buns off every single late April and it's the best way that they team build outside of this offseason where they finally made some trades and we've been trying to get Jess along the ride of this sort of draft train uh you know she mentions it's not really for her college football is not really she's trying to get into it and it's it's funny because I liken it to like you have the video game nerd culture of course and but it's a little bit bigger it stretches wide I feel like that with the draft coverage it's like a different type of nerd like it's a very small circle and there's a very few like limited part of us but when you go to the senior bowls you go to the NFL combine now like Brian talks about how the NFL draft and just the whole cycle the whole process has just blown up to where now the combines on TV years ago you know he was looking at and saying they're never going to televise this and now it's become just a cultural phenomenon and it's crazy how you mentioned you know those drafts that stick out to you the one for me is a little bit more recently is with the Laramie Tunsil thing where everything happens like that night and all of a sudden he starts dropping. And that to me is like, okay, this is where real world meets NFL draft and like all this coverage is happening real time and everybody's trying to figure it out. And that to me basically combined what, you know, the two worlds are of like media and the draft coverage and kind of put it all into one night. Yeah, that's uh, my gosh with the gas mask. I mean, that was a welcome to the NFL moment, right? For yeah. Larry Tunsil. How can your life change in a split second? You go from maybe being the number one overall pick to now you're sliding into the teens. 13, uh, actually, a big reason why the Jets don't want to trade 13. Go look at the players that were taking 13th overall. That's a sweet spot. You're probably going to get an absolute stud if you're picking 13. But, uh, yeah, that that's a great one. That's a good call right there. But you, it's it's fun when you get with fellow draft nerds like us you know and and you're able to talk about the mock drafts and some people just get tired of it you know and and i worry about that on our show sometimes you you don't want to beat people down with the draft talk it but people do love it and i think it's really grown i mean now even just in the last 10 years or even that 05 draft just how it's the the last it's crazy how big of a deal the draft is now and it's you know it's one of those things that it's definitely not my forte but to be fair i was a very casual fan up until a couple of years ago to where I could only, you know, I would pay attention to the draft. I would watch it. But what I will say is for me in recent times, it was the Micah Parsons pick that really stands out because that was controversial. I mean, nobody was really expecting that. I could pull up receipts on receipts on receipts of people that were not happy with it. And look Mm -hmm. how that has panned out. So um, I, I remember that. 
I remember being on Twitter that day and I was like, why are y'all, why are y'all so upset? Like, let's, let's breathe everybody. Um, but yeah, no, I think I just have such a respect for people who can talk draft. And like you said, just pour everything you have into it because, um, you know, talking with Aisha, it's, it's so much work and it's so underappreciated how much you guys put into it when the camera is not rolling for that hour long, uh, you know, podcast or, or the video on the website. So kudos to you and the draft show guys and gal Aisha, because y'all That's kill right. it. And it's just so fun to, like I said, watch you guys grow and do your thing. Like I love watching people in their element and you can absolutely tell us what you love. Yeah, thank you so much. No, you're you're right, and Aisha's crushing it. Um, but man, the, even the mic—you bring up the mic thing. You I mean you can pull up my receipt that night? I got I got dunked on by Brad Sham. Brad Sham owned me. You know? Oh, uh, I was very. I should go look. I was very wrong. I was very wrong about Micah because no, it, look, if you watched Micah Parsons at Penn State, that dude wasn't rushing the passer. Okay, kudos to the Cowboys and and Dan Quinn really for tapping into. Holy cow, we've got one of the best pass rushing animals on the Dallas Cowboys. If you watched him as an off ball linebacker, and I thought that's kind of what the Cowboys were going to be getting again, you just took one with Leighton Vanderesh. I was like, eh, eh. good player. Don't get me wrong, but I was all about Rashawn Slater in that draft. That's who I was thinking the Cowboys should have taken, build in the trenches with an offensive lineman. They got a pass rush freak in Micah. But yeah, I quote tweeted it and said, uh, I'll tell on myself because I own this and I need to get better at owning this um, because that's part of it. You put your draft thoughts out there. You're going to be wrong a lot of the time, right? That's what's We're here going for to your happen. therapy. We really Inev- are. Inevitably. Yeah. But I've talked to Brad about it on air. It's cool. I've added myself on this before. I said, quote, this is a dumbass pick. Brad Sham quote tweets me and says, you could not be more dumbass wrong. And evidently, Brad, you were – Absolutely right. And I was a dumb A. But Rashawn Slater is also an all pro. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to be too hard on myself there. I, I love drafted it. a good football player. Yeah. And hey, listen, like you said, you own it. And there are a lot of these guys that are in this draft. And it's a good transition. There's a lot of outliers in this draft. And I kind of, I was hearing, like, I listened to a lot of podcasts to try and educate myself too from listening to a couple of guys, especially Dane Brugler and everything that he does. And one thing I heard today was it's sort of like a, a draft of misfit toys where it's a home for somebody, but not for everybody, you know, where it's, it's really like a Rorschach test, um, you know, different flavors for all these prospects. One guy that's my favorite. I know we've talked about it on Twitter. I've seen your takes on it. Aisha's takes Emmanuel Forbes, a complete yeah. outlier at cornerback where in my opinion, like if the Cowboys are wiped out in certain positions and he's sitting there at 26 to me, I would think that that he fits that system and everything that they're looking for at a cornerback position. Now, the thing is that scares people away is he is, he is 166 pounds. I weigh more than him, and I'm shorter, but he's he's tall, he's lanky. He fits everything else except for that one box. But I feel like that when it comes to former prospects, like you can kind of compare Devontae Smith, and I know he played wide receiver, but coming out sure. of the draft, it's like he was slight. You know, maybe how is he going to hold up to the NFL uh grind and, and so far he's been doing really well so for you make a case of why Emmanuel Forbes should be considered at 26 and if he's not there uh, for whatever reason like Cowboys don't want to go in that direction could he fall to the second round similar to like a Trayvon Diggs where people don't expect him to be there hmm. and the Cowboys can take him in the second round yeah I, I think the Forbes stock has definitely taken a hit you know you don't see him even in a lot of first round mocks the the potential for him sliding to 58 is interesting I didn't think that he would, but he might because he weighed, he's skinny man. I mean, he is, and he, I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be able to put on a ton of weight. I think that that's something that is a fear uh, of teams. But what's the best conference in, or conference college football? It's the SEC, right? Yeah. It's big yeah. boy football. Uh, the weight wasn't an issue there, and he didn't get hurt there. So for me, you watch the tape, and I think the tape is all that should matter. You know, you've got your workout warriors that will always crush the combine, but it's does the tape meet the testing for me, ideally, and there's going to be outliers. You're right. Of the receiver position, the majority of the entire class is outliers. They're short, they're skinny, they're not big. You don't have your prototypical Quentin Johnston's probably the, the the number one guy that is when you look at like size, weight, speed from TCU. So for Forbes, you're looking at a really long player, long arms, long that typical build that Dan Quinn has liked with that Legion of Boom in Seattle. He looks the type there. He's a sticky in coverage. Uh, he's a guy that you can see 
just didn't get tested much. Like Bryce Young, when you play him against Alabama, he's looking the opposite way. I'm not messing with Emmanuel Forbes today. All right. I'll go ahead and look at your buddy and I'll try and pick on him. I'm not picking on Emmanuel Forbes. He's a guy that he peeks in the backfield a little bit. We'll watch the quarterback's eyes. You know, try and read the quarterback. He's a willing tackler. Even though he's small, he's going to throw his body in there. He gets physical. He can kick inside, play some slot as well, but he's a true outside boundary corner. I love him. I mean, you want a little bit of dog in your corner, and Emmanuel Forbes has that. I think Cam Smith from South Carolina has that as well. If you get him at 58, my gosh, uh, that would be a dream scenario because you're filling a massive need with corners that are on expiring contracts, right? Gilmore's on a one-year deal. Will they be able to get Trayvon Diggs done? That could be a difficult thing for them. Israel Mukwamu is about to be one year left on his deal. Same with Jordan Lewis. Uh, so you're going to have needs in the future at corner. That's a, it's a big need for the Cowboys. Get him at 58, you're going to help with a player. Speaking of needs for the Cowboys, uh, y'all just make this transition thing so easy sometimes. But uh, we heard all last season the front office about the run game being the – you know, identity of this Cowboys offense. And it worked when you saw the one-two punch with Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. Now you take one of those out of the equation and you're left with Tony Pollard to really be the dominant RB this season. Now, how, you know, what was interesting is Stephen Jones said today in a perfect world, you'd find a big physical back that can complement Tony. And again, it's all about complementing each other, finding that thunder and lightning approach with that one-two punch system that we saw. But enters the chat Bijan Robinson who is just the talk of the town in yeah. all things Dallas Cowboys so with the lock the loss of Zeke this offseason how realistic do you think it is for the Cowboys to maybe trade up for Bijan because I think we all know he's not going to be there by 26 how realistic I, do you think that really is I don't think that's realistic I don't think you trade up for Bijan love Bijan I think Bijan's a guy that could come into the NFL and immediately be the best running back much like Ezekiel Elliott did uh, when the Cowboys took him in 2016 I don't, there's no need to trade up for a running back in this draft, even though Bijan is far and away the best. And he is a generational type player. And, and, and I get people are, oh, I don't want to run it. He falls for you at 26. You pick him. You don't hesitate. He's going to be the best player on the board. And I understand, you know, th- there's a difference between taking a guy at four and taking him at 26, and the best years of a running back are their rookie contracts. Stephen Jones has even said that before. You get the fifth-year option on him if you take him in the first round. You've now got these rookie wage scales that are set in place, so you're not overpaying uh, a guy who should be up there amongst the best running backs in football during the course of that career, and he's going to touch the ball 20 times a game, right? So I'm not with others to where running backs been so devalued if he falls to 26, you don't take him. I would because he's that good of a player. You don't trade up for him, though, right? You let and wait the board. Let's see how it falls. But you don't give up other assets to move up for him because this is a really deep running back class. And you could take Zach Charbonnet from UCLA if you want a big physical back who's a downhill runner, but he has really good quickness for his size. You could take him in the second round at 58. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's a true three-down runner. Or in the third round, you can take Roshan Johnson uh, out of Texas, who played with Bijan, and is also a guy who is a three-down type of back. Tajay Spears, who I love from Tulane. Oh, my gosh. Watch Tajay Spears. Tell me you don't love this kid out of Tulane. He's the best player on the field every time I watched him, and he just destroyed USC. He killed him in that Cotton Bowl. He's got toughness. He's got attitude. You need a play. Clock's expiring. We got one down to win the game. Who's Tulane looking to? Tajay Spears, baby. And he usually comes up with the play for you. So I'd sell him in the third round, or maybe you can get Kendra Miller, who might have the best balance in the draft, in my opinion, among all running backs at a TCU. I think the Cowboys like both of those guys, Roshan Johnson and Kendra Miller. I think they might meet with Tajay Spears as well. I love those kind of picks if you want to take in the uh, on day two. And I, and I do think the Cowboys will address running back in the first two days of the draft. If Bijan falls, I'd consider him. I'd consider Jameer Gibbs, depending on who's there. But I would rather wait and take one of the guys that I mentioned, Zach Charbonnet in round two, or one of those third or fourth round options. Uh, I think the value is too good. The, the running back position is one of the deepest out of all the positions in this entire draft. You don't need to give up draft capital to go get Bijan. But if he falls into your lap, 
I don't know. We can have a Bijan Robinson party. I'm down for that. Uh, I labeled this podcast, and not many people will see it, but I put it as Bijan or bust because that's just what everybody's saying. Uh, so it fits perfectly. And and you actually answered my next question, which was, you know, if it isn't the first round, like where are these guys going to be? Because it really is a deep running back draft. And I do think that for the Cowboys, you know, they played free agency perfectly where they didn't kind of overstep with certain positions that they could fulfill in the draft that are deep. And it, Jess has the next question that she'll get into after, you know, that kind of asks that similar thing. But for me, like even like a Mo Ibrahim, you know, out of Minnesota, yeah. like uh, me, I covered the Big Ten because I went to Rutgers. So I covered Rutgers football, which, you know, we don't have to talk about Rutgers. But, you know, with them playing a lot of good competition, I saw a lot of these guys and Mo Ibrahim, I think, got over 200 yards on them. Really, really good player. I think even at the East West Shrine game, he won player of the week with regards to practice. So he's really good attitude player. The the one question, you know, kind of transitioning just a little bit to, to the defensive side of the ball. You know, we're talking about 26. Yeah. Is there any player on defense that would be there at 26 that you don't want the Cowboys to take? Like similar to what happened with Taco, you know, where somebody falls, it's maybe like a guy that's a little bit more traitsy. Like I know, for instance, like a Nolan Smith, he's very divisive right now just because people are looking at him, like you mentioned, the Underwear Olympics. You know, he performed out out of this world with his testing, but the production, it's more of a projection at that point. I know you guys talked about Lucas Van Ness. I know that's another player that Dan Quinn worked uh, out. If he falls to 26, yeah. I don't think he'll be there because um, I think a team like New England, you know, fits perfectly like you guys mentioned. But is there any defensive player that would be there at 26 that if they take him, you're like, mm, could have gotten something else? I'll give you four. Two of them Dan Quinn's worked out, which makes me scared. Oh, boy. But I just, <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't love them when I watched them. And it is Van Ness who you mentioned. And I've talked about that on the draft show we, we ha- and our show, so I won't cover him. Uh, this one's probably going to get me in trouble with the draft community because I think a lot of people love him, and I don't. Will McDonald yeah. out of Iowa State. Oh, man, my notes on him are just bad. Looks stiff to me. Struggles to get off blocks. Looks the part with the size, but is just underwhelming. When I watched him against Kansas State specifically, he would get blocked by a tight end or a fullback. Hops around in the backfield when he has a chance to make a play versus the run. Doesn't finish. Does work his hands well sometimes to get around tackles, forced to fumble. You can see upside, which is why scouts like him, but I just didn't see a ton of production on film when I watched him. He can get off the ball quickly, but he's just inconsistent. Like, he's a toolsy guy that I think coaches would probably love. I just didn't see – he's not a finished product. And at 26, I want a guy that I think is going to co- come in and not be a project. I can see upside. I can see why people like him because he looks like a physical freak. I didn't love him when I watched him. The other is uh, at a barre, the Northwestern defensive end. That's a workout warrior for you. That dude has no business being in the first round of the draft, and he needs to kick in and play defensive tackle, in my opinion. He's not an edge. He's a guy that is, is really a quick twitch. Interior gets his most pressure when he's kicked inside, uh, plays the interior spot at defensive tackle. So he might have a really good career there. I just wouldn't love him at 26. And then a corner is Keely Ringo out of Georgia. And when I started this process, I saw Keely Ringo as like one of the top 20 players. Oh, my gosh. For me, like this dude – Double moves are an issue for him. Now, he's not a bad player. If he fell to the second round, I'd take him. Uh, but I just didn't love his film. I think he gets beat a lot. And if you watched him against Ohio State, oh, my goodness, Marvin Harrison Jr. owned him uh, in that game. So there's there's just a few for me. I'd be like, eh, I don't know, man. Uh, I'd pray they're good because they're a Dallas Cowboy. But I could be very wrong, but I didn't love them. Well, we are hoping that whatever happens, you were right about. We are manifesting that. So it looks like you have a little bit of a crystal ball uh, in your hands. But, you know, what's very interesting is this Cowboys offseason is almost something Cowboys Nation is not used to seeing. The productivity in free agency really does change the scope of the draft to some extent, right? So uh, a big conversation is how deep the tight end class is in this draft. And that sparked the conversation of do the Cowboys go for the tight end for, you know, number 26 here. But do you think the Cowboys should do this? Or do you feel like overall this is just stepping in some mucky water? You can wait until the second day. Do you feel like if somebody, and and I would be curious to know who, could fall to 26, would it be smart for the Cowboys to take a tight end at 26? The tight end conversation is fascinating because much like running back, you can wait and you can get a good tight end uh, even in day three. I mean, you could take him in rounds four or five, and I think you can find there's guys that I like there. 
I think the Cowboys want to add just a pass-catching weapon, and that's why tight ends in play at 26. And I think that it's very likely, because this isn't a strong wide receiver draft, and I don't think you're going to have one of the top four guys fall to you um, at 26, whether it's Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think is the best receiver in the class, or Jalen Hyatt, who I'd love at 26 as well. Um, I don't think they'll be there. So that's why tight end might be the best pass catching option. And you do have some really stud, studly dudes here. It's the best tight end class I've ever remembered watching. Um, I love Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Now there's recently been some issues, some red flags with Kincaid. He didn't test at his pro day. He's got a back issue um, from people that, you know, I've been able to talk with and, and, and Brian gave us a good report on the G bag nation. It doesn't seem to be a long-term issue. But backs are scary, right? Backs are something where like that, oh, that can always flare up on you. So I think Dalton Kincaid is the best all-around tight end. I like the comparison of a Mark Andrews for him. Really good in the open field, can beat you down the seam. He's not a guy, and no disrespect to Dalton Schultz, incredibly productive. But right, what was the knock on Dalton Schultz? He's going to catch the ball. He's going to get tackled. So you're looking at like a 10-yard box here. Dalton Kincaid can go in and get you some home run plays. He can break tackles for you. USC, they knew he was getting the ball every play. Uh, they double, triple team him. Dalton Kincaid finds holes and will find a way to catch the football. And he's a solid blocker. So he's a good all-around player. Michael Mayer is kind of baby grunt. That's what his nickname was at Notre Dame. A uh, big physical guy, can line up on the outside. You can play him in the slot. Lumbers a little bit, similar to Darnell Washington, the tight end of Georgia when you watch him run. Uh, but Mayer can high point the football. He'll go up and snag it. He'll win versus a linebacker. Uh, I know Bobby doesn't think that he fits the athletic kind of metrics where we're going with this. When you look like Luke Musgrave at Oregon State would, those are the two names for Cowboy fans. Luke Musgrave at Oregon State, you should watch him because I think that he realistically might be the pick there at 6'6", six, six, uh, at 26. He's a six foot six dude, goes up and gets it, tall, long, slender body, big-time receiving threat. Issue with him is not a great blocker. Like Kincaid's more a better all-around all player. And I don't, I don't even want to say he's not a great blocker, okay? He, he can block. It's just a work in progress with him. It's kind of the same as we saw with Schultz's career. But Musgrave's 10 times of a better receiver. This dude could be like a Jimmy Graham-type player for you. So uh, Musgrave and Kincaid would be the two that I would take in the first round. Otherwise, you can wait. And uh, you can go and get a Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati who's really good. Or Brenton Strange was interesting to me. I know a lot of people like Zach Koontz at Old Dominion Athletic. I, I didn't love him as much as I did like a Josh Wiley. Um, and then there's Sam Laporta out of Iowa. People rave about him. His work ethic, his attitude, stud. So there's lots of names, right, that you can take late day two, early day three. But those would be the two, Musgrave and Kincaid at 26. And, again, not to plug Big Ten football, but I saw a lot of Sam Laporta. And again, you know, when you're going up against Rutgers, it sometimes it inflates, you know, how you look on the field. But I'm telling you, he's a good, he's a good tight end, uh, and definitely was the only contributor to the Iowa offense or lack thereof, whatever it was. Worst offense I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I went to the Ohio State Iowa game, and my gosh, Kirk Ferentz, you need to fire your son. And I get that's a tough conversation to have, right? Thanksgiving's going to be awkward. Fire your son. Yeah, it's definitely rough. And yeah, you know, we brought up. Some defensive guys, but a lot more offensive guys. And I was talking about this with, um, you know, Jess on our roundtable uh, last week for blogging the boys. And I mentioned that to me, like you mentioned, you you wanted a, a game changing player at 26. Like this really isn't the draft where the Cowboys can kind of take somebody there that has traits high upside, mm -hmm. but not really an impact player right away, kind of breaking the depth chart to me. This reminds me a lot of what the 2021 draft was for the Cowboys, where they needed to overhaul the defense. They need to get players on the defensive side of the ball because they were pretty much set on the offense. But now you kind of have it switched where outside of the guys who they kind of brought back with a Donovan Wilson, a Leighton Vander Esch, like the defensive side of the ball is pretty much set. You know, you can plug those guys in today in a game and they'll be exactly the same type of team that they were last year. Fowler's back. Hankins is reportedly still in negotiations to come back. But to yeah. me, this signals where, like, that draft in 2021, eight out of the 11 guys were defense. To me, this draft, I could see a similar thing where it's eight out of 11 guys are offensive players. Do you think that, that it's sort of lining up, up that way where the Cowboys are just going to, like, grab a bunch of talented guys, um, get guys who can be plug-and-play type players on the offensive side, and then that's where they're going to go for this draft? 
Yeah, I think that uh, unless there's a stud that falls to you on the defensive side of the football, like Nolan Smith out of Georgia is there, who is really, really good. And, and edge rusher is uh, an area where you should always take. I've seen a lot of like Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. I think they're going to get the Hankins thing done. So I think that takes Mozzie Smith out of it. And the Cowboys don't value defensive tackle typically uh, to take one that high. So people that are, I, I don't see that happening. I think guard is, might end up being the pick at 26. I know offensive line's not sexy, but uh, this team's biggest need right now is left guard. They're going to start uh, Tyler Smith at left tackle. And according to Jerry Jones today, they're starting Tyron at right. And Terrence Steele is going to be your swing tackle. I don't know that that will be the case uh, week one. I could see maybe Terrence Steele being the starter. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. But that means you don't have a left guard. And they want to play Tyler at tackle um, because they believe that that's what they drafted him to do. And he's their best tackle probably on the roster. So I think names to know at 26, Steve Avila out of TCU plays on the left side. He's, I think he's a better run blocker than pass blocker. Um, he's not a great athlete, but he can get to the second level. You know, I, I don't know if he'd be a great pulling guard, getting him out in space, but he's physical. He can handle bigger defensive tackles. He's got a good base. He's got a good upper body strength. Maybe the speed rushers will give him some problems, but him versus Mozzie Smith in the college football semifinal was amazing. And I thought he handled Mozzie Smith, uh, won his fair share. So, you know, he could improve a little bit as a pass blocker, but I like him. He's got some nasty John Michael Schmitz, who I don't think the Cowboys would take, I would take this guy at 26. And you've got maybe the best future center in the NFL if things don't work out with Tyler Biotish, but I think he can play guard. It's rare you watch a center and you're like, holy hell, this dude is impacting the game. Like, he's moving people. All right, get out the way. The John Michael Schmitz is here, boys. And girls, he gives me Jason Kelsey vibes, uh, but he's bigger. He's not undersized. So I love him. I think he moves great. I would take him. I think he's the best interior lineman in the class, period. And that includes Peter Skaronsky. But Skaronsky's going to go in the top ten. Bears might take him. The other guy's Cody Malk out of North Dakota State. Cody Malk is a run or just a road grader, man, in the run game. I love him. He fires off the ball. He might have the best hair in the entire draft. He moves his feet really well. Uh, you know, he might catch linemen a little bit in pass protection where he lets them come to him. He's not the aggressor. He kind of waits, and then, boom, he locks in. He gets his base set, but he's constantly moving. He's constantly looking to apply punishment. I like that. I want some glass eaters in my offensive line. Those are three dudes that I would take. I think Steve Avila – and Osiris Torrance, Osiris Torrance out of Florida are in play there at 26. But I love Cody Malk, and I love John Michael Schmitz, and I just had to give them uh, their praise there for a second. But Steve Avila, that might end up being your pick at 26 at a TCU. And so overall, the draft as a whole, do you feel like the Cowboys are drafting for those starting positions potentially or to add more versatility and just more depth overall that we've seen time and time again comes in handy, especially when you have that draft and develop mindset, giving sure. them time to learn the playbook, get that better, uh, veteran leadership from the older guys. What do you think the overall take is from the draft this year from the Cowboys? I think you're most likely trying to get a starter there at 26, especially if it's a guard. I think that's a, those are plug-and-play type guys. Um, you know, who knows about receiver? If there's one of the top receivers falls to you, that's a starter. Um, even though, you know, you look at the depth chart, they're probably not going to have to play a ton of snaps, but that's a, those, that's a guy that could leapfrog on the depth chart and take over for a Michael Gallup. And if you have injuries, they're going to end up playing a ton because this is a three-wide receiver league now. Corner. Um, would be interesting now that they have Stephon Gilmore. That would be a player that's more of a development kind of guy, but it's it's a future starter, right? And he's going to end up playing a ton this year because corners get hurt, and you need three to four good corners. You probably need five good corners in today's NFL. So uh, I, I do think most likely their ideal thing is if I take a tight end, if I take a running back, if I take a guard, they're starting for me. The other ones would be just because you have players in place, they're technically developmental guys, but they'll end up playing a ton of football for you this year. 
Yeah, uh, and you you really the the one I wanted to hit you with uh, as a fastball, and again, we won't hold you to it. We won't be like Brad Sham, where you know we I'll keep hold you to it. it's we, okay. we we keep the receipts. We'll we'll let them kind of fade out into the distance. I was going to ask you who you who you write today think the pick will be at twenty six for the Cowboys. You mentioned Avila. You know you can change yeah. your mind. We won't again hold you to it, but maybe if that's still going to be your pick, like what would be the surprise pick uh, for the Cowboys that maybe a lot of fans wouldn't see coming, but within your you know circle of of the Dallas Cowboys draft show wouldn't be as much of a unexpected thing. And you mentioned John Michael Schmitz. I think it would be a great pick at 26. I just think the Giants are going to take him at, at 25 because they really need help yeah. at center and guard. So I think yeah. that would be a, uh, a real, you know, terrible thing. But, you know, again, who do you think that the Cowboys will take at 26, if not the biggest surprise? I do think Steve Avila is going to be the pick, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Um, you know, initially, when I kind of heard some whispers about, maybe the affinity for Steve Avila. Um, I was a little surprised. I didn't think that that they would go with offensive line. I really didn't, but it excites me. I, I love taking linemen. I think that that's where you win, obviously. I think it goes without saying, right? What, what's what been the Cowboys' bread and butter? It's building that offensive line. You always take a defensive lineman. I think if I had to bet today, Steve Avila would be the pick. Um, now, surprises, um, that's interesting one of these corners, if they were to go with an, I, I like, I, I'd be surprised if they took Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I would be. Uh, I know that he's a guy that tested really well. I don't know. I, I don't know that that's a guy that they would that they would take. I'd be surprised if they would take a Keeley Ringo as well out of Georgia. One of those corners. I think the other surprise would just be, hey, you have a player that falls there that you didn't expect, right? Maybe if it's an offensive tackle that has the ability to kick inside and give them something there. I mean, like, I love Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. I don't think they're going to take a tackle, though, because I don't know if Darnell Wright's a guy that can kick inside and play guard. I think a lot of these tackles are more true tackles. So uh, in terms of, okay, Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders yeah. would be a surprise for me out of Arkansas, the linebacker, but it's an Arkansas guy, right? That I <laughs> yeah. guess that's always in play because of the Joneses. But I love Drew. Uh, I got to call a lot of his high school games at Denton Ryan. Uh, when I was when I was there, so I've seen Drew Sanders in his entire career. I'm I'm really happy for him. I think that he is probably the most versatile linebacker in this draft. Personally, my number one guy. You're gonna like this Big Ten, Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Yep. I think he's a stud. I think that dude's going to be a, a home run pick. But Drew Sanders would be a big surprise for me at 26. I don't. I wouldn't hate it because they need linebacker help. But that'd be. Yeah, I'd be I'd be a little surprised. Uh, and uh, Jess and I, we were trying to tell people because we recorded our podcast the day uh, the, the day of like the legal tampering period. Everybody was freaking out because there was no moves on the Cowboys front. And we told them, listen, relax. I, I said the Cowboys build through the draft. They are always going to be draft and develop. And for me, they have gained my trust and they have over the previous few seasons but I look back to the Tyler Smith pick last year and that to me like when everybody was counting them out saying this was a reach you know it's a player that has a lot of problems and you know high upside but maybe not starting for you right away clearly everybody was wrong about Tyler Smith and if you were to redraft things over again he's probably going in the top 15 given everything that he produced so for me I trust this team wholeheartedly. Like if they take Sanders in the first round, it's like, yeah, it's not something that a lot of people would probably like, but I trust them. Like I trust their evaluation and they are hitting home runs after home run in the first round over the past few seasons. So for me, it's like whoever they take at this point, I'm kind of just going to be riding the train with them and just see where it goes into training camp. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with like the two, two guys, Will McDonald and Lucas Van Ness, who Dan Quinn is went and worked out, which to me indicates Either he just wanted to get more of a hands-on look, um, but I do think that that was interesting. You know, like I don't think that he, he he likes those guys, right? Or else why are you flying out there to the pro day to work them out? So I trust Dan Quinn. If they took him, I didn't love the film. Uh, Van Ness, I'd like a little bit more at 26. I think that's reasonable than McDonald. I, I wouldn't take him there, but hey, Cowboys, you're right. They, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. They have earned that, especially in the first round. So in DQ, I trust, and Will McClay, I trust. If they think one of these guys is good enough to take there, I'll rock with it. Same thing with Keon White, the edge out of Georgia Tech. Personally, I'd take him over both those dudes. Uh, there's other people in the draft community that would be like, what? You're an idiot. What are you talking about? I think that dude's get off and, and, and upfield his pass rush abilities are pretty darn exciting to me. I think 
the potential, his best football is ahead of him. But, yeah, I, I agree mostly on defense, though. Dan Quinn's the guy that I really, I really, really trust. Offensively, some new pieces to this coaching staff, so we'll have to wait and see. In Dan Quinn, we really, 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 really trust, uh, according to Zach. And I think we're all right there with you because it's just incredible to see how much Dan Quinn has done for this defense in his stint and just his eye for talent and his eye for versatility and um, just the things he's able to do for these players, which is making them believe in their coach and that they're playing for the right reasons. They're playing up on their strengths. I love that. Uh, we are a Dan Quinn stand podcast over here on the writer's block. But Zach, thank you so, so much for joining us. Real quick, where can the people find you to slide into your DMs, as you mentioned earlier? Okay, yeah. At uh, Zach Wolchuk on Twitter, at Z-A-C-H-W-O-L-C-H-U-K. There are no underscores or anything. It's just my full name there. Uh, and I think the same thing on the Insta. If, if you want to get on the Instagram, I'm trying to grow that. I've got a TikTok as well. Do I know how to use this thing? Absolutely not. If I make a TikTok video, I'm goofing, and we're just trying to have some fun with it. I'm trying to grow that, I suppose. It's also the same thing. Just search my name in these platforms. You'll find me and say what's up. Can we find you doing dances on TikTok? Is that is that what we're doing? I'm not dancing. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I, maybe I should start. I don't know. I think it's you never know. It's you never weird, know what your big break I'm could be on TikTok. You really such never Such a bad know. dancer. So bad. So maybe people will laugh at me and, and that'll be fun. We can go viral with that. Who knows? Well, just like Dan Quinn, Zach, you have earned our trust and the trust of our listeners with all of your draft takes. And again, everybody be sure to check out Zach on the G-Bag Nation 2-7 to seven every weekday. And also, again, the Dallas Cowboys draft show, you know, the pinnacle of everything that's in Cowboys draft coverage. Uh, you know, you can check out Zach um, when he appears on that too. So again, thank you so much for hopping on and we'll be sure to have you on maybe before the draft, but definitely after as well. Uh, it was a pleasure. I had a blast. Y'all are awesome. Love the show. Love all the work you guys are doing out there. So kisses. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Again, thanks to Zach Wolchuk for hopping on with us, getting that that draft process, the draft juices flowing for our fans. I know, like I said, it's it's under a month away now when you're going to be listening to this. So it'll be here before you know it. But one thing we do want to talk about is uh, the owners meetings or the NFL meetings are happening right now. Um, and Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones spoke to the media and they had some interesting comments that I do want to get, you know, Jeff's, Jess's perspective on. Um, first, Jess, Zach brought it up and I want to get your take on it how Jerry Jones mentioned that Terrence Steele is progressing he's doing all the right things but he did mention that he brings quality depth as a swing tackle and that Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith will be the starters do you think that that's exactly how it's going to play out or do you think it's just Jerry speak and it's you know maybe trying to hide some things kind of keep people guessing before the season starts I think it's wishful speaking more than anything wishful thinking wishful speaking because Ideally, I mean, the last time that you saw Tyron Smith play a full season, it's been years. I mean, years since we've last seen that. And so I think that's the plan right now. But do I think that's what's going to end up happening? No. Um, just, you know, injury history there. And, you know, I, I think um, Tyler Smith rightfully so earned his position. I'm not worried whether he's guard or tackle. I mean, 
man can do it all. I think at this point, though, you solidify his spot in that line, whether it's guard or tackle, you leave him there, and then you build around that as well. But, um, no, I think I think having Terrence Steele as a swing is uh, very wishful thinking because I think he's going to end up being one of the starters. Well, and maybe it's a case where they he's saying it this way so that in case there's a setback with uh, rehab or anything that Terrence Steele doesn't have to be rushed. But, you know, I posted it on Twitter um, and it went around how he was working out with Duke Mannyweather and was moving very well. Um, so it seems like that he's on his way back and we'll see what happens when it gets to mini camp and OTAs before training, training camp, if he's a participant in any of that. So we'll see, I kind of put that on pause right now. Cause like you mentioned, it's wishful thinking. I think, you know, Tyron Smith has been a staple of this team, you know, a pillar for the previous 10 seasons. And Danny brought this up last week on the round table where the Cowboys contract that they renegotiated with him is perfect in the way where it's more incentive based, where it's based off of his playing time. And if he is the swing tackle and doesn't really get as much playing time, it's like, okay, we're not paying him as much, but if he does see the field a lot, 80% of the snaps or whatever, he's making a big chunk of money, which would be well-deserved because you have one of your best tackles on the field. So I think it's a win-win all the way around. It's certainly a good problem to have when you have three capable tackles, but I do think that Tyler Smith is a better left tackle. Terrence Steele is a better right tackle. And I think the pressure of Tyrant Smith not having to play every single snap will extend his career and probably his life where he doesn't have to worry about these injuries can kind of just sit back and relax for maybe around a season or so. Yeah, and, and we always talk about life after football and how much of a priority that for these players to be able to, you know, walk normally or operate normally with their families and their kids post football. And so anything that really can protect Tyron Smith's health going forward, because he has put it all on the line for this team. I mean, he is a big dude. Let me say he is like a tower. And um, I think I told you the time I shook his hand, it, it was insane. It felt like my hand was being swallowed. Like it was insane and so he's put it all out there he has what it takes it's just at some point like your body can fail you that's nothing you control but to be able to protect him for life after football is right now I think the approach that needs to be a little bit more to the forefront of the mind and we talked about it earlier on the pod where the Cowboys really have a hole right now at left guard if, if Tyler Smith is going to be a left tackle Tyron Smith is a right tackle and we'll see what happens with Terrence Steele that does leave a vacancy with Connor McGovern now off to Buffalo which I mean leaving for Buffalo with the cold weather wouldn't be a decision I would do but if the money's right I guess that's you know worth it uh but Stephen Jones did mention that Chuma Adoga, their free agency signing, um, he had some tackle guard flexibility. He basically threw it out the window, said that this guy's going to be playing at guard. And I think it does protect themselves where maybe it's Matt Farniak at guard. Josh Ball was even thrown around as a possible name as well. But then you have Adoga. And so it doesn't make the Cowboys force themselves into drafting a guard, you know, come the draft. I think they will. We did talk about that, and that's probably a real possibility. But what do you think of Adoga sliding in at guard? Maybe it's somebody that just needed a shot, and the Cowboys are kind of finding a diamond in the rough, which they have done with a J-Ron Curse, you know, all these other guys that nobody's really looking at. Do you think he has that possibility of being the starting left guard? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at what happened with Tyler Smith last season. I mean, that in itself is a success story for ages because, yes, Tyler Smith – uh, week one to, you know, even the last playoff game against the 49ers looked like a whole new person. And to make that much stride in progress within one season as a rookie, incredible. Chuma not being a rookie, he has experience already. But again, he hasn't had that breakthrough moment, it seems, that everybody is really waiting for. So I think you get him in a sturdy position on a steady line, you're good to go. And you you have your starter there. So I think if you have a veteran in the room, they're probably going to likely get that starting position. Chuma's not up there in age, so I don't really see that being a factor either. But, um, yeah, I think you bring a veteran in, you put him to work, you grow on what he already has, and you go from there, especially on the O-line. You need the O-line to be steady if you're going to do a couple of things. One, take pressure off of Dak Prescott, and two, get that run game identity back that they were lacking last season that they wanted. And I think you're going to see positions where guys come in and it kind of weeds out the bad depth. I mean, we did talk about how Josh Ball, you know, in training camp last year wasn't performing very well. And maybe this is a guy where Adoga comes in. He's a guard mostly, but has that flexibility like the Cowboys love. And it basically, you know, pushes Josh Ball out the door. 
And you also have Matt Farniak, where the Cowboys believe he could play all five positions if they had to. So I think having a Doga in there, even if he's just depth that they draft a guy, I think that's something that they needed to address, and they did that. Something else that Stephen Jones mentioned was beefing up the tight end room. He said likely through the draft. We did talk about that and how deep it was. But something that Stephen and Jerry Jones did mention was the ongoing process of trying to re-sign Jonathan Hankins. And we heard uh, last week, I did bring it up, that um, Brian Broaddus mentioned it just seems like Jonathan Hankins is, you know, kind of in his own space right now where it seems like that there have been negotiations, there might have been an offer, and it's just at the leisure of the player, which is totally fine. Like, take your time. You know, the offseason is very long. I don't like tran- – like, I don't even like going to the gym, so I couldn't imagine, you know, lifting weights and doing all the conditioning between now and July. But it seems like that they also want to bring back somebody like a Carlos Watkins, if at all possible, which, like we mentioned, it makes sense. If that's somebody they can bring in in training camp, you know, to protect themselves if they don't land somebody in the draft – the Cowboys have shown that they want to protect themselves if it's through the draft or it's through free agency. Getting Hankins and Watkins back, I think, just makes too much sense. Yeah, and I think with Hankins, it's it's so hard because he's kind of your last checkmate, if you will, on free agency. I say the final piece of the puzzle is... Yeah, yeah he's, he's the last one on the list that you really wanted to see re-sign and... Um, you know, not to say that there's not other guys left on that list that if they sign, that's great. But Jonathan Hankins was right up there with LVE and even the Donovan Wilson talks of this guy needs to be a priority to get back on this team next season because you saw the drop-off in the run defense even more so instantly when both him and LVE were out. But, I mean, Jonathan Hankins, he's 30 years old, which, yes, that's not old, everybody. 30 is not old, but in football age – it's getting up there. Your body's been through it already. He's a veteran guy, years of experience, and he's he can make that decision if he wants to. So if he wants to sit on this and kind of decide which route he's going to take or see if he can get a little bit more money showing his value last season with Dallas, that's I think that's pretty standard, pretty normal. But I also have faith that when Jerry wants something, Jerry gets it. And I think he's going to find a way, and you add the Dan Quinn effect in there, to get Jonathan Hankins back on this team. I don't see them not doing that and not being successful, but he's the, he is your final checkmate. I mean, that you get Jonathan Hankins signed, you had the most successful free agency and, and re-signings, I think, in Cowboys history. In recent history, I'll say. And at key positions, too. Where And again, if, if Watkins, Watkins comes back, I think that's just icing on the cake. A guy who's fun, you know, one of the hot boys, you know, as, as, as they like to, to deem themselves. So I think that that would be important to get those two guys back. And again, it just protects you for the draft. Something else we did talk about is the running back position. And Jerry Jones did mention today when he talked that, you know, Zeke, unfortunately, was never offered a contract, you know, uh, to a renegotiated contract. And I know Stephen Jones mentioned it was out of respect. Again, they didn't want to pretty much lowball an offer where it was just disrespectful to Elliot, which I can actually appreciate. And I'm sure Elliot does as well. But he also, Jerry Jones, didn't throw out the case where if Elliot doesn't sign with the team, that he might return. Now, I did mention uh, in an article that I wrote that uh, number 21 is already taken because the Cowboys assigned it to Stephon Gilmore. But the latest tweet and the most recent one since the release that Elliot had, he did say um, that he wants to wear number 15 again. So apologies to Will Greer. Uh, you know, you'll probably have to give it up if that happens. But do you think it would be a good idea? We did talk about this last week, but do you think it would be a good idea for Elliot to be back on the roster in 2023? I'm a person who believes in signs and and all those things. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift just won pop album of the year when we're talking about this. And so I was wow. I was looking that, at that, looking at you, trying to multitask here. But I think it's one of those things that if you can get Zeke back on your roster for a good price that he's happy with, he's, you know, realistic about, you do it. That, I cannot stress enough how much leadership you are losing with Zeke. And not to say you can't gain leadership back with, you know, with some of the new signings that you just got with those veterans or, you know, just anybody overall can step up in that locker room, but nobody is going to replace Zeke. He's a keystone player. If you can get your keystone player back and avoid an Emmett Smith 2.0 situation or a DeMarco Murray 2.0 situation where, you know, Adam Scheffner tweeted out that the Eagles were one of the teams that were in the running potentially or a landing spot for Zeke. And I think if you can avoid that, 
that's fantastic. But he also, I mean, you know what you're getting out of Zeke. It's not like it's a question if he fits in that offense or not. You know what you're getting, and he knows where he stands. You know, like he knows his health. He knows what he can contribute at this point at, at a realistic standpoint. But yeah, what do you do about that jersey number situation? Do you give him your yeah. do you give him fifteen? Sorry, Will Greer, but you give him fifteen and then does everybody with an Elliott jersey already have to go get new fifteen Elliott jerseys? That's my question. Oh, yeah, that's tough. That's something it's I didn't awkward. even Yeah, I didn't think about that. I, I personally I think since it's happened, I'm ready to turn the page and move on. And again, as a fan, somebody who's grown up watching Zeke. We talked about how he was sort of the Emmett Smith of our generation. It's tough to still think about the Cowboys lining up next season and you get the intros on Sunday Night Football and Elliott's face doesn't pop up because he's you know just not there, not because of injury or anything. But I do think it creates an awkward situation where Tony Pollard has been given the keys. You know, he's the guy. I understand that he's coming back from injury, but by all accounts, it seems like that he's doing really well. They did sign, re-sign Rico Dattle, and they did bring in Ronald Jones, and I don't think those are players that necessarily stop them from bringing not only somebody in from the draft, but but maybe re-signing Zeke. But I do think that they are ready to move on, and I think it creates an awkward situation where Zeke has always been the guy, and does he still see himself as that? I know I saw on Twitter earlier that the Jets, you know, when they were talking today, that it was more of Zeke's, you know, uh, wish list rather than the Jets reaching out to him. So I think all those teams that were named, the Bengals, the Eagles, and the uh, Jets, they all came out and they did say like, no, this is more of like him talking, not really us. The running back market we saw in free agency, a lot of guys were not getting paid that much money. Miles Sanders, you know, a little bit more of an outlier, but he's still younger than Zeke. So I, I don't really know where he fits in the running back market. And if teams go into the draft, seeing how deep it is, like we talked about, they might want to take a guy in the draft rather than sign Zeke. So I think it puts the Cowboys in a position where if they don't draft anybody, if they just find other positional value somewhere else and they don't take a running back, maybe come August, September, if something happens, you know, maybe if Zeke's still out there, but what type of conditioning is he going to be in? You know, I understand he knows the offense and everything, but I might want to see a little bit more of Malik Davis. You know, I might want to see what Ronald Jones has. has. And I know Stephen Jones mentioned that he wants this sort of, you know, tougher running back. And I'm like, man, you had that in Zeke, you know, but it's just, he's not the same player. And I think moving on from it, having a clean break is what you need. If he wants to come back next season, you know, maybe that's a little bit more of a palatable thing. If Tony Pollard walks and you pair Zeke with, you know, whoever the, the draft pick is this year. But I do think it's more of a case where you move on. Maybe they see where it's at mid season. But like I mentioned last week, I think the only way Elliot is back is if it's a one day contract to retire. I mean, I that's such a valid point here, too, with how you're saying yeah. of coming in, kind of disrupting Tony Pollard's moment. But I also think Zeke kind of took a back seat, especially this last season, and letting TP be that guy, especially, you know, knowing that his injury was now we know his injury was worse than it was being let on. I think Zeke kind of saw the writings in the wall that this was going to happen. So he's already taken that step back. Um I think if you can do it, make it the absolute last priority on your list to do after the draft. Um, you know, if you you can at that point. I mean, whatever makes sense, if it's affordable, if it's not going to hurt you, and it's something that you can just do as an additive, do it. I mean, I'll, I will vouch for that for any kind of veteran leadership you can get in that locker room because it's important. And with somebody like Zeke, you know you're not getting an ego. There's one thing I do know I've seen. He does not have an ego. He really has a way of lifting people up. And, um, you know, I wish everybody had the privilege to see how him and Tony operate and how they talk to each other because it's just you wouldn't even think that they were in that kind of position of, you know, kind of handing the torch slowly. It, it felt like last season. But I think if you can do it as an absolute, this is the last thing I do right, right before I can't anymore do it. If not, I mean, look, it's going to kill me a little bit uh, to see Zeke if he goes, you know, anywhere NFC, specifically NFC East, specifically Philadelphia. It will kill me a little bit, but this too shall pass. I will get over it and I will remind myself that I, in fact, need to calm down. Well, yeah. and so I, I'll, I was thinking about, you know, maybe what's like a similar situation that's happened. And I think very recently we saw J, uh, Jason Witten go from 
going to the Cowboys to the booth, taking off a year. And then, well, and that's, I think to me, that's a similar situation where it didn't happen as fast as this if if Elliot comes back. But it it just feels like it's a case where you're getting back together with an ex. You know, it's like you you break up, you part ways. And I understand that these are really good guys. Like, it's not like there's bad blood, at least from all accounts and what we've seen. But just when Jason Witten came back after taking a year off, it just felt awkward because the Cowboys had Jarwin, they had Schultz that, you know, he left and kind of handed the keys to those guys. And you were excited to see, you know, a different era of the tight end position for Cowboys football. And then he comes back and it's like, well, where does he fit into all this? And he did clearly lose a step. He was still a little productive. He had that weird, weird modern helmet, which was throwing me off a lot. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, forgot about that. I, I didn't like that. Uh, but I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's like, to me, that would be a similar situation, don't you think? For me, Jason Witten is like my staple player right there with Tony Romo. So no, I was just excited to have him back and um, be able to take my Jason Witten sign out of retirement. My jersey was out of retirement. For me as a fan, it was the coolest thing ever to see my favorite player taking the field, which you know I knew at that point was his last season as a Dallas Cowboy and get to really enjoy it and embrace it. But also, I thought even back then it was cool that those younger guys got the chance to work with Jason a lot. You had a baby Blake Jarwin and uh, Dalton Schultz who you wouldn't even think, you know, fast forward to now would be in the situation of, um, you know, the conversation of free agency with the Cowboys even now, last season being under that franchise tag. I mean, a lot of things have changed, but even then I, I still buy for that veteran leadership it is a very similar situation but he did we we know jason didn't have that much of a productive season but i also think that goes along with the quarterback change like tony romo was jason's guy dak was building the rapport with the younger guys and jason just wasn't his guy and that's just how it works so i think with anything you know zeke already has that rapport with Dak. And I think that's the biggest difference is difference is no matter how Zeke is used or utilized, even if it's just for a blocking standpoint, that's still valuable. And you know that that relationship's already there, but you know, either way, whatever happens, happens. We've learned to accept it. (laughs) We've learned to just breathe through it, but man, I will say I will need a day of mourning. If he does go to the Eagles, I will need a whole day of mourning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, in my heart and trying to to look into the crystal crystal ball I just I feel like that that's not going to happen but you know again we'll see I don't think anybody ever thought Emmett was leaving and, and what would happen well look when DeMarco Murray signed with the Eagles that season I was so I mean I was right in the peak of my fandom I felt so betrayed yeah. like I personally knew this guy and he was like this is because of you sign that's how it felt and you know, I, I think I don't think his intentions were malicious, you know, even just looking back then, he just wanted to play and it was a good opportunity. But for Zeke, you know, as much as we're joking about don't go to the Eagles, it would actually be beneficial for him when you look at how the Eagles are scheming the run game. Oh, yeah. Working with Jalen Hurts, it's a very good option for Zeke. And I can see why it would be appealing for Zeke to want to go to Philadelphia as a player. Now, what's interesting is that his best stats came against Philly. So what does that mean if you know, say hypothetically Zeke signs to Philly and then you have that Sunday night Cowboys Eagles matchup. What do his stats look like against the Cowboys? I would, that's a little intriguing, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm just being real. We're, we're real with you on this podcast. I'm just saying from a football standpoint, it's a very appealing option for Zeke to go to the Eagles and I get it. Well, the last rabbit hole that we have to go down is the kicker position, which has yet to be addressed we talked about it. Tristan Viscaino, nothing against you. You're on the roster, so we'll see. You never know. Uh, the Cowboys have proven us uh, wrong in the past, but Stephen Jones did mention in quotes that it is an itch that needs to be scratched. An itch that needs to be scratched. So I don't know what that means. Does that mean they're going to be drafting a player? Are they going to be bringing in somebody? I think that... Unfortunately, we are going to go through this cycle again where it is a wait until training camp, get a few guys in here and just see which one comes out the victor and they'll be the one going into the season. Maybe it's Brett Maher, but I highly doubt it at this point. I I highly doubt it too, but it would be interesting to see if they take him back into training camp to yeah. have him fight for that spot. But again, it's highly unlikely. They made it very clear at, you know, at the end of the season, that was it. But you know, things have kind of changed. Time has passed. The emotions are gone. So it's 
it's interesting to keep an eye on, but regardless, that kicker situation is so worrisome because whether it's Brett missing the field goals or somebody else, you still need the re- reliability when time comes for that. It has nothing to do with not trusting Dak or what. however people are going to twist it. You need a reliable kicker. It needs to be like the Dan Bailey days where you knew everything was money. You didn't worry about it. You're like, oh, Dan's going for a 60-yarder twice in a game? Done. Oh, three times? Easy. Like, it needs to be back to that level because not having stability in the kicker position is just as important as any other position in that locker room, whether it's offense or defense. I think special teams gets overlooked. But if anything, it should show you that not having the reliability with Brett Maher that we had earlier in the season it should show you why you need somebody that is good, that is solid. And, um, you know, I was kind of hoping they'd poke around during free agency to see if they could figure something out. Um, there's still time. Who knows what could happen? We can very much see, like you said, a uh, bring guys into training camp situation. But I would like to see Brett Maher get another chance in this because I don't think, and yes, it was the absolute wrong time for him to, you know, get in his head and and do all that, obviously in the playoffs when it matters the most. But I still don't think that takes away from everything he did up until that point to basically keep the Cowboys in games and winning games, especially at the beginning of the season when you had Cooper Rush in. You knew, hey, you're probably going to have to rely on these extra points um, going forward. He was your guy. He was scoring. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But I get why people take either side of the fence with that. I really do. Can you kick? Should you throw your hat in the ring to be the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys? I cannot. Um, I have not danced, stretched, or anything probably since I was uh, 19, 20 years old. So, uh, yeah, no. I, I think I would pull something, and that would be a big liability for everybody. Well, did, um, did you see that? Did you ever see that movie growing up, Rookie of the Year? where the kid yes. falls on yes. his arm. So maybe, yes. maybe, and this is a perfect transition to end the episode, maybe this weekend when you're at Taylor Swift, you know, something happens where you do pull something, but it gives you this super leg where you're just kicking 70-yard field goals and you're just a, a historic figure in the NFL for the next 10 years. I would I would take that badge to make sure that Cowboys Nation, Cowboys Nation never had to worry about an extra point, a kick going through ever again. I would gladly, if I had to, and, you know, some magic force came to me, a genie, and said, here's your three wishes, I would be like, make me the Cowboys kicker. Like, wish number one, and I never miss a field goal. Wish number two. Like, easy. I would go right there to the star and be like, guys, look at this talent. I'm going to make it money. Um, Maybe not like Dan Bailey. Someone should see what he's up to these days. But, yeah, Yeah, I I would take that honor. It'll become Jess Money Navarez. And (laughs) if you do, uh, by any reason, pull anything and it ends up on social media, where can people kind of find that video and follow you on Twitter to see that? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to pull anything. I think I'm just going to be crying really, really hard the entire concert, (laughs) Um, both of them. I think I'm just going to be bawling my eyes out. So if anything, you'll probably see that. You can find me at JustNavars underscore on Twitter. I will be going back to my regularly scheduled Cowboys tweets after this week. But it is Eras Tour week, and I am highly, highly, highly riding that Taylor Swift uh, lyrics train all week. So join me. It's fun. I'll convert you to a Swifty. Brandon. Where can people find you? Well, I was going to say, unfortunately, when you get a new Jess next week after, you know, the Taylor Swift concert, for me, it'll be one more week closer to the NFL draft. So you might get a new me with new draft takes and new draft coverage, and we'll be sure to continue that on on our podcast. But you can follow me on Twitter at at Brandon is right, and that is W-R-I-T-E. I'll have my second mock draft hopefully coming out this week uh, where I kind of teased it with a surprise name up at the top. We did mention the name tonight, so uh, be sure to kind of go back to the receipts, go back to the tapes, and we'll see um, where that ends up. But yeah, we'll continue our draft coverage here on the writer's block throughout the rest of the month and get you guys set up for the NFL draft. For Jess, I'm part two. Well, I'll put myself at part two uh, of the co-host Brandon, and we will talk to you guys next week on the writer's block. We'll be right back. 